Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Experience Our Industry podcast. I am Dr. Brian Greenwood, and I am super excited to be here today with Morgan Cutter. How are you, Morgan? Hi, Dr. Greenwood. I'm doing well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. It's so great to see you. Uh, I am uh, really excited to to get to talk a little bit of... Um, National Football League with Morgan. Uh, Morgan is currently the coordinator for uh, revenue programs for the 49ers Foundation. We're not really going to talk football, Morgan, but you know what <laughs> I mean. Uh, we're going to talk about what you're doing with the Niners Foundation and all the great work that that you're doing. Um, Morgan is a, let me, let me double check this, Morgan. I always double check this in advance and I didn't for the first time. I'm, I'm really embarrassed about this. Are you, you're a 2020 graduate of the program? 2020. Yep. I was supposed to do my internship starting in March. So I was done with classes and totally missed the whole online school thing, which was nice. It worked out for me. Yeah, I was thinking I, I was thinking I remembered I have I have everything pulled up and then and usually I'm able to just scroll right down to it. And then I realized I was like on the wrong page and I was like, OK, I've got to do this from memory. I'm pretty sure it's 2020. <laughs> That's awesome. But 2020 graduate and she's already done. Uh, I, I Morgan, I have to tell you, I can't even I can't even fathom how much you've done just in the short um, couple years that you've been out, um, you know, already worked for two of uh, three amazing franchises <laughs> in Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League and now National Football League and working with their community. Community foundations, and so you know how much I value uh, the the community aspect of sport, and with that being my research, so I'm really excited to get to talk to you about that. Um, but let's go back a little bit and and let the listeners get to know you. Uh, tell us where you're from, Morgan. Yeah, so I grew up up in um, Northern California in the lovely suburb of Sacramento, Roseville. So I'm a Placer County born and raised, and then obviously moved down to San Luis Obispo for a couple of years to be <clears throat> in school. And then I'm now here in the South Bay, close to Levi Stadium, where I work, which has been great. So I, I love it. Northern California gal. <laughs> I love it. And you know, we've um, this you're you're like the uh, third in a, a couple of months that I've talked to that lived uh, that grew up right outside Sacramento. And so that's really, that's yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's really cool. Um, tell us what your, what your parents did when you were growing up. Yeah. So my parents, it's so funny. They both um, graduated with the same degree from Sac State Communications, but ended up doing oh. completely different things. Um, oh, wow. So my mom actually was a stay at home mom for a lot of the time when I was growing up. And then uh -huh. Um, decided she wanted to get back into her career and actually went through night school to get her teaching credential. Oh, and she's awesome. now a second grade teacher up in Roseville. Oh. Yeah. And then my dad, yeah, my dad is in medical sales. So anytime <clears throat> where I've been in a sales class or have anything sales related come up, he is always very stoked. Yeah. Um, he's ready to jump that. in. That's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. Well, I have to admit, like you, you and you know, you took classes with me, so you know that I, I, I cry when the wind blows. Um, when the wind blows, a little bit different, <laughs> but um, you you almost uh, you brought tears to my eyes because you know my mom was a stay at home mom, and and um, 
And I, I just, I, growing up, I, I remember her talking so much about um, regret and wanting, thinking that her calling was was being mm-hmm. a teacher and just regretting n- never having done that. And and you know um, where we lived, and and you know the without the internet being um, <laughs> being mm-hmm. in existence or whatever, she never went back to school. And so I just love it, love hearing that your mom went back to yeah. school and is a second grade teacher. I bet she is so great at it. She loves it, and she has all kinds of hilarious stories about the kids and the parents that totally keep us going. I yeah, bet. definitely. I was really fortunate to have her around and kind of be the soccer mom and team mom helping us driving around to all of our sports and stuff like that. But then also watching her go through just being in night classes and really working hard for what she wanted to do. And then later in her life, when we were all older, seeing her get her first teaching job has been really awesome and super rewarding. So yeah, that was so exciting. That's mm-hmm. awesome. I bet that was so exciting. Tell me about, um, tell me about, uh, brother, you said we, so I'm assuming, um, some, si- you've got siblings. I do. I have two brothers, one of which to not his fault is a gaucho. He just graduated from UCSB. <laughs> okay. Um, and the other one is at Santa Barbara city college. So we're all perfectly two and a half years apart and grew up pretty close. Oh, wow. Um, Very yeah. Cool. So the one with yeah, the one that just graduated from UCSB, he has an anthropology degree and he's kind of figuring out if grad school is on the horizon for him. Okay. And then the younger one is following my parents' footsteps. He just figured out he wants to do communications right um, for his undergrad degree. So I'm trying, trying because Orfala College of Business is fabulous to get him mm. to come to Cal Poly or potentially in another area. But there trying to out, outnumber the gauchos in the household. There you go. Yeah, you <laughs> got to do it, right? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, uh, so let's talk a little bit. You mentioned your, your mom was a soccer mom, so I assume you you played a little soccer growing up. But but uh, what else? Uh, what else were were you into? What was your jam growing up? Yeah, for me, soccer was a big one. Definitely, just the experience of being part of a team sport and having that support system of friends and being uh-huh. part of a team environment where you were. It wasn't just about how you wanted to do on the field or decisions about yourself. It was about what can I do to help support the whole team, which I think was really valuable. I also did competitive swimming for a long time. So kind of the balance of the two sports, one very individual, one much more a team sport. Um, And then I was a big student government kid. Ah, there you <laughs> go. That's where the event. Yep. All the events. That's where it definitely came in making uh-huh. posters, planning junior prom and all that good stuff. Uh-huh. So those are kind of my two big things that I was super involved in. I love it. I love it. Now you had a couple of Sac State grads in, in the house. Um, what, how did you, how did you find Cal Poly? What was the story there? <clears throat> yeah. So one summer, it was the summer after, going into my junior year of high school. Uh Um, My two younger brothers were off to uh, summer camp and I decided not to go that year. I think my best friend wasn't going or something. So I was like, "Ah, I'm not going this year. Um, So my parents and I did a road trip down the California coast, just seeing all the different schools and kind of opening my eyes to what was out there. So we stopped in the Bay Area. We went to Berkeley and Stanford and Cal Poly and a bunch of awesome places. And as soon as I stepped foot on Cal Poly's campus, that was really the place that was like, I can see myself spending four years here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I applied. And I actually ended up being early decision. I had a couple other 
schools on my list. And then as soon as I got into Cal Poly early, I actually, I think I was the last year of early decision. I signed it as soon as I got my acceptance and was like, whoa, I didn't (laughs) think I would end up getting in anyway. Um, And like many people in our major, yeah, like many people in our major, I actually transferred into RPTA, um, which is what it was at the time. So when I was actually coming into Cal Poly, I had aspirations to um, go the pre-med route and I was a biology major my first couple quarters. Okay. Okay. Which, uh, which, which class steered you in the, uh, a different direction? Mine was organic chemistry. My, I didn't even get to organic chemistry. <laughs> you didn't get it. Organ- <laughs> <laughs> I hear yeah, you. I, we're, we're better off that we found something else. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Well, well, tell us that story though. I, I interrupted you. How did you, <laughs> how did you find out about the major and, and what was that process like? I think it's important to hear that change of major story. Yeah. So when I came to Cal Poly and when I was thinking I wanted to go the pre-med route, it really stemmed from I playing soccer my junior year of high school, got a really bad ankle injury, actually tore like all the ligaments in my ankle. Um, It was gnarly. Yeah. So I was on the cusp of needing to do surgery and then ended up being able to get through it with a couple, like six to eight months of physical therapy before Uh I could play again. Um, And being in the physical therapy environment and seeing all the good they got to do and using science to really help people like recover, I knew when I wanted to go into medical that I wanted to do something like sports med related. So I really thought the route for me was either going into physical therapy or being a physician's assistant. Uh Um, And then, man, like I said, that general chemistry just knocked me out. I wasn't loving the general biology series either, the plants and like yeah. the general stuff, all of that just wasn't up my alley, I think. Yeah. So then from there, I tried to, or I was in the process of changing my major to kinesiology. Mm-hmm. And during that process, as I was taking the classes on my like degree transfer form, I was like, you know what? I just don't think I want to spend my whole 20s in school to figure whether out, figure out whether or not I want to be in the medical field. Yeah. So I walked into... um a meeting at career services. And I said, I really like sports. I think I want to do something in the industry. I also love event planning. What major should I be? And um, the career services office at Cal Poly is really what helped steer me towards the RPTA program. I was going between becoming a business major and going the marketing route and maybe doing um, the event planning minor. Uh-huh. Um, but really after looking at the breakdown of what classes were involved in each program, decided uh-huh. the RPTA is really what seemed like would be a great fit for me. So I had my interview kind of meeting with Dr. Hendricks. And then from there, it was a pretty quick and easy transfer into the program. So awesome. that all happened my freshman year all together. And by oh. my by my third quarter, I Wow, I was thinking that was like a long drawn out process, Morgan. Wow. That I was nope, that but, was but all freshman Yeah, <laughs> I knew it wasn't because I knew how um I knew you were in the major pretty quickly. I didn't even realize you were a changing major. So that's awesome. Yeah, that was all freshman year, I swear. I think I was in RPTA 101 spring of my freshman year as my first class while I was still kind of offloading all of the gotcha. science related classes I had already registered for. Right, of course. Well, what a great story, and we're we are happy that you ended up in our major. Of course, let's um let's talk a little bit about your experience once you got in the major and uh, um and, and whatnot. I, I like to ask two questions. You know, I like to ask 
One question about um, professional development and then one about just your experience uh, in, in slow and, and at Cal Poly. Is there an enduring memory at Cal Poly that you think about that, that you know, that you can share with a wider audience that that you're like, man, I'll, I'll, I'll looking looking back, I'll never forget that time. Is Is there anything like that? Yeah, I think for me, really finding my group of people on campus, it took a little bit, but I think that's really where I found my home that makes me remember Cal Poly so fondly and makes me think of San Luis Obispo as somewhere that's such a big part of my story as I've continued to grow up. And for me, that was um, sorority recruitment and being involved in Greek life at Cal Poly. Mm -hmm. Um, I really felt like I found my home in Cap Alpha Theta at Cal Poly and the relationships that I've built with friends through that organization today. Um, like some of those women are people that are going to be in my wedding. That's going to be in San Luis Obispo next fall. So that's awesome. Congratulations. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So those connections have definitely been huge for me and just having that support system. Um, I came to Cal Poly and I think I was one of three from my senior class at my high school that decided to go to Cal Poly that year. So I came in and really knew nobody. Um, But once I was able to figure out where I belonged on campus and really find my people, even being part of the Greek life um, community at Cal Poly really helped me too professionally, especially with all the event planning and people management and everything like that that goes into managing an organization that has 200 members. Yeah, um, yeah, been huge not only for my career, but I think just helping me find my place in slow for sure. Yeah, for sure. And you know, I I think um, I think sometimes we underestimate those um those opportunities, whether it's Greek life or a sports club, or obviously mm-hmm. all the opportunities with ASI. And there's just so many opportunities for you to build your leadership skills and to build your management skills and. Um, yeah, 100%. Like you said, you know, when you have 200 members and trying to navigate that, and um, that's a, yeah. that's a really challenging thing. And so I, I love it that you mentioned that and, and finding your peeps, you know, um, that's a huge part of feeling a sense of community in any, anywhere that you are, you know, and so I, I really, I really love that. So let's talk about professional development. You know, when you look back, and obviously it hasn't been that long with your career, but when you look back and you, and you think about um, the things that you did at Cal Poly um, from a professional development perspective, is there something that you look back, and you've already told us a little bit with with um, Kappa, Kappa Alpha, Alpha, well, you, it's hard to say that uh, fast, <laughs> um, Morgan, Kappa Alpha Theta, right? I there got you it go. Right. There yeah. you go. And Theta for uh, short. Yeah, right. There you go. Um, is, is there something that sticks out where you think to yourself, wow, that really propelled me into my career? I would say for me, one of the big things that I really tried to do while I was part of the program was say yes to any opportunity for professional <laughs> development that came up. Yeah. So did, I totally thought, yep, yeah, I thought that Dr. Hendricks was going to start telling me I wasn't allowed to go to conferences anymore. <laughs> I, just kept, I just kept asking. So like crazy things like going to the Visit California Outlook Forum and meeting Tony Hawk, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, I presented part of my senior project thesis at IMEX in Las Vegas with Dr. Lynn, and that was really yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, I was part of a group of students that did the like competition 
um, kind of mock event planning. Yeah. Thing. I'm trying to remember what the specific name was, but it was through. Yeah. You know, you I, know. as you were talking, I'm like, wait a second. What was the name of that? <laughs> was, yeah, it was, was, um, was it Ilea? Was it Ilea? It might have been Ilea, but um, like myself and Olivia Larson and Luke Haley were a couple of the students that were in that group. And our team ended up winning a national um, like mock event planning trial with other universities. And our prize was actually going to the conference and presenting our winning piece. So a couple of things like that and just being able to say yes and be able to in my career now understand like what the environment is like when you're going to a conference and networking with people and building those relationships and some of the places that I was able to go through the program, I would always, always recommend it to students to say yes to any opportunities that get thrown your way. Yeah, um, 100%. And, um, and, and, you know, for our listeners, I, I can't blame Morgan for, for getting um, different uh, professional associations uh, mixed up because she really did. You really did uh, uh, jump at those opportunities. Um, but the national championship that, that, um, that Morgan is mentioning is, was from the professional convention management association. So PCMA, yeah. and yeah. it was, um, their proposal was called the Home Sharing Proposal Experience. And um, uh, the, the team was Morgan, Luke Haley, Olivia Larson, like um, like uh, Morgan said, and then also Courtney Frickman, who was a, a business uh, admin major with a vet planning minor, and then Chrissy Bauer, who was an exchange student um, right. from um, from Germany. And so I just remember the um, them showing the clip uh, from from you all winning, and I was just so impressed. I mean the 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 poise that you all showed and um and just the the professionalism and and the confidence it was just really uh it was really mind blowing and and um and really exciting and so wow yeah those those experiences with conferences um you just you just can't you know you can't replace them and as we as we've come out of the pandemic you know Morgan we're we're really going to try our best to double down on on um taking as many students as we can to conferences and and renewing those experiences that we missed during the pandemic so let's talk about um you know obviously you're coming out of Cal Poly your your internship was was during during a global pandemic and so that was uh, you know, it was a scary time for all of us, and and we all um, felt particularly for for those those of you in the 2020 class who were graduating, and so that's why I always love bringing you all on to the podcast and seeing seeing you doing so well because we were all so worried about you all, and um, and so talk about what that was like finishing up college during a global pandemic, um, what you did and, and what the experience was like? Yeah, I was very, very fortunate, I would say, especially thinking about the experience of everyone in my graduating class that I already had my internship lined up, even like back in January. Yeah. Um, I was the um, student manager of facility management for the university union. And so with that, I managed a team of the facility supervisors that have helped keep that building running and open for um, students on campus. So in my managerial role, 
overseeing other students for ASI was able to take on a special project and turn that into a remote internship for ASI during my last couple months when I was going to be doing my internship. So I went through and I revitalized all the training and manual procedure that we had for folks coming into that student manager role at ASI, making sure that I was leaving the next person that was going to be coming into my role in a really great spot. So I went through and did new procedure for every different thing that the facility supervisors were in charge of managing to keep the building safe and secure um, and making sure all the people on property within the university union were protected and safe when they were on campus. So from revitalizing all the first aid procedure training that we did to really leaving a lot of careful notes about um, student management and personnel management as well. It was really great. And it was a really unique opportunity that I had to carry on my internship and what would have been in person working on campus all spring um, into a remote possibility as well. I love it. And and during that time, you also started a, as a Junior Giants AmeriCorps ambassador, right? Was that during the I same did. time period? It yeah, was, so there you was were able to balance both? There was yeah. a little bit of overlap at the end, and that actually yeah. was an opportunity that came up thanks to Dr. Greenwood yeah. um, at the end, kind of towards the end of when I was getting close to graduation. Dr. Greenwood reached out to the students in my class and said, hey, the Junior Giants are still looking for folks to be Junior Giants ambassadors for the upcoming season. They, due to the pandemic, were moving all of their programming online rather than having the in-person baseball and softball leagues that they're used to yeah. um, and really needed a couple additional folks to round out the online programming that they were going to do. So Dr. Greenwood connected me with Drew Ziegler, who is another alum of the program and works with the Giants Community Fund. And from there, I was able to join their team. I was kind of a late add-on, but it worked out really well. Right. I was in charge of the out-of-market group of students that signed up for Junior Giants at home that year. So I actually had the privilege of leading baseball skills and drills in my teeny tiny first post-grad apartment um, in Walnut Creek for kids that were across the country, not only the country, but the globe. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got assigned to manage all the students that had organically signed up for the Junior Giants program that lived outside of any of the other areas. Right. That wasn't a group we had really marketed to, but because it was Ever online yeah. for other people to participate. So yeah. I was doing baseball skills and drills for kids that were like in Southern California, but then also on the East Coast and even one who was a military kid and was stationed in Germany. So he was signing in and it was like a totally different day than when uh. the actual class was assigned, but he was still able to make it. And it was a really unique great opportunity for me to open my eyes to what sport really could look like for me as a career and getting to work with the amazing team with the Giants fighting as well. So it was a happy thing that fell right into my lap at the perfect time and really wouldn't be where I am today in my career without having taken on that experience and saying, yeah, I can go ahead and do that. Um, yeah. Even though it wasn't what I thought my first post-grad job was going to be, but it ended up being really amazing. Right. Well, I just love I just love hearing this story even more hearing you you tell it. And um, 
Uh, yeah, what you know, what an amazing, uh, what an amazing pivot, right? We 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 heard that word uh, throughout the the global pandemic was the pivot, and um, Junior Giants at Home program ended up being an award winning program, and um, the ambassadors uh, that that were. Um, that that ultimately really helped the, the Junior Giants program put on um, these amazing um, online experiences for kids during the global pandemic was was nothing short of of amazing. I mean, just just really just really awesome, and and shows what an awesome organization the Giants Community Fund is. Um, people have probably heard me tell the story before, but. Um, when we started back in 2011 with our partnership with Giants mm-hmm. Community Fund, I had four research assistants and myself were going out collecting surveys all over with all of the different leagues um, in the in the Giants footprint. And and I say all of the different ones. I mean, I think we did we did 10 that first year. Um, <laughs> they're 80 leagues. Right. But um. But one of the things the Giants Community Fund um, leaders loved was they loved hearing stories from people on the ground, and that connection they 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 thought was just a fabulous idea. And so they they pitched to me the next year. They were like, "What if we form an ambassador program?" And I was like, "That's a fabulous idea!" <laughs> and so um, the the um, Junior Giants ambassador program started from there and that's what um that's what uh Morgan is talking about and then a couple of years ago um they partnered with AmeriCorps and for those who are unfamiliar AmeriCorps is the basically the domestic peace corps it was created mm-hmm. during um Bill Clinton's term as as a uh, president and um they wanted to create you know a domet- they 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 saw all the good that the peace corps was doing around the world and they said we need one of those here in the United States we need a domestic one and so AmeriCorps is, a, is just a fabulous fabulous program as well and so thanks so much uh, Morgan for sharing that now Moving out of uh, the Junior Giants, you through AmeriCorps kind of had another opportunity pop up, um, and um, and and during that same period, um, you started a master's program, if I'm I not did. mistaken, right? And so, yeah. tell us about um, tell us about how that arose, um, both both the position um, with the practice space, and then also. Um, your decision to to get a master's in sport administration from, um, let me make sure I got got which one, wh- which of the uh, San Francisco schools, San Francisco State, correct? Or University of University San Francisco. Francisco. Wait, sorry, mm-hmm. University of San Francisco. So USF, right? Yes. Yeah. So after my AmeriCorps ambassador associate role ended with the junior giants, I was trying to figure out my next steps. I floated Do I want to try to work for an event planner in San Francisco? Do I want to be a consultant at a bridal salon? Do I want to keep going with sport and see where that takes me? Um, And then I really went back to the amazing experience that I had actually being able to be boots on the ground, like giving back to youth in the community through Junior Giants. And that opportunity um, really opened my eyes to seeing like how big the area like the side of nonprofit work and nonprofit specifically in sport was. So I started hunting and looking for how could I get my foot in the door to be kind of in a nonprofit sport related role. 
And it didn't happen for me quite right off the bat. I did look through AmeriCorps and was trying to figure out where I could find my perfect niche Mm -hmm. um, and ended up taking a leap and going more into the education side of nonprofit work. So the Practice Space, which is a really great nonprofit organization in El Cerrito, California, um, ended up taking me on as an AmeriCorps VISTA for a year-long service term with them, where I was managing all the marketing on behalf of the organization and also doing um, operational support. So what they do is they do public speaking, um, coaching, and classes for youth and for adults with um, a really big emphasis on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So that work was rooted in our executive director, Anne-Marie Baines, um, work and interest in the speech and debate world and really opened up to supporting like youth through speech programs and helping make sure that people really find a way to use their voice authentically. So it was a really great year with, um, the practice space, but with being part of the AmeriCorps Vista program and still having my itch to get back into sport, I started looking at grad school. Um, and so Right. After looking at a couple of different places and really being able to see the large network of USF alumni that are involved in the world of sport, um, especially right here in the Bay Area, I took a leap and decided to apply for the University of San Francisco Sport Management Master's Program. And I'm yeah. just over, I think I'm getting close to being a year and a half in. It's a two-year program and it's designed where everyone's able to be working full-time in sport during the duration of the program. Um, We're in a cohort of 35 students and take all the same classes together the entire time. And Mm -hmm. my cohort is amazing and also includes um, Greg Guanasso, who's another Cal Poly EIM alumni. So it's been fun for Greg and I to always talk about Cal Poly stuff whenever anyone asks about undergrad. Yeah, shout out to Greg. Right on, Um, right on. That is so cool. So, um. I love I love that model. You know, um, I love that model where you're 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 plugged in and you're working in sport and you can continue working full time if you already have a position. Um, it's such a great model, and and obviously, um, these uh, a lot of these sport management gra- uh, graduate programs are, are obviously really tied into the sport um, organizations, yeah. um, and so there it enhances your opportunities as well. So talk about that, you know, right around the time you, uh, right around the time you were starting the master's program, you also started with the night with the four, San Francisco 49ers part-time. Um, so talk about how that came about, what you were doing, um, and, uh, and then we'll go from there. Yeah. So my, Beginning of the program at USF, they are really great about sending students um, job opportunities to gain experience in the field from whether it's alumni or folks connected or that understand like the benefit of that program, especially in the industry. So I was looking and kind of trying to figure out something I could do part time to balance with my the end of my full time role at the practice space as my kind of year long service term was quickly approaching its conclusion. Um, And then actually a sorority sister from Cal Poly who um, works with the Giants reached out to me and said, hey, um, I'm working part-time on a team of folks that are part-time staffing coordinators at the Niners in addition to my full-time job. And I know you just started your sport management master's and wasn't sure if you thought it would be a good fit. 
So it was a really unique program. It was the first time that the Niners had ever had in-house recruiting for all of their part-time game day staff. So we were all folks that were working full-time and apparently just love multitasking because we were doing evening interviews with candidates and helping hire all the guest services, folks that help support the stadium on game days. And then also I was actually directly helping with the requisition for the Niners that supports the 50-50 raffle program for the foundation for my predecessor um, last summer, helping her get staffed up for last season. So it was a really great opportunity to get my foot in the door for sure and came up from another Cal Poly alumni connection, which was really great. I love it. And then you moved um, you moved uh, from from that position when that position ended, you, you ended up with a with a full time gig with the uh, with the Sharks Foundation a, as a coordinator. So let's talk about um, this. This will lead us into the community fund. We talked a little bit yeah. about the Giants community fund. Right. And that connection. But but I wonder if you can for for our listeners who are unfamiliar with um with the community funds the foundations that are associated with professional sport teams so tell us first how the sharks foundation position came about and then tell us about uh what the sharks foundation does yeah so my role with the sharks foundation came about it was actually one of the opportunities that was sent to our distribution list of opportunities that go out to usf sport management master's students Mm -hmm. Um, but i knew that a couple of my folks that i had worked with at the giants community fund had connections at the giants and or at the sharks and specifically with the sharks foundation Mm -hmm. so i Wrote in, I actually connected with the then hiring manager and my former boss, Janae Johnson, who's fantastic, um, on LinkedIn and knew we had a couple shared connections and kind of used the power of knowing other people in the industry to get my time on her calendar for a first round interview. Um, And then made it through the internet interview process and was fortunate enough to be offered the role and come to find out after that. Part of that was due to great reviews that were given to the folks at the Sharks from the people that I had worked with at the Giants Community Fund. So that opportunity, that's why I always go back to my experience with the Giants really being huge and helping me get my foot in the door in the sport world, specifically here in the Bay Area. Um, For sure. And like you were saying, for folks that don't know as much about um, sport philanthropy and what the nonprofit arm of each sport team looks like, The Sharks Foundation, um, it's a small but mighty crew. At my time, there were three of us, and we were tasked with supporting um, the Sharks Foundation. And so the foundation side of each sport team is interesting because it's a 501c3 nonprofit that falls under the arm of the team. So when you think about sport philanthropy and the nonprofit side of sport, you might have the impression that we get a bunch of money from the team and just go out and do stuff. But really... Um, for a lot of organizations, and especially in my experience, like we are fundraising anything and everything that we have to pay ourselves, to get back to the community, to manage programs. Mm-hmm. So with my role as a Sharks Foundation coordinator, I was tasked with managing their 50-50 raffle program, which is a fund generating program on game days, yeah. and then also managing all of our PR and marketing for the foundation. So for folks that aren't familiar with the 50-50 raffle program, that's a program that many sport teams do here in California as well as across the country where folks are out selling raffle tickets during the game and 50% of proceeds go back to a nonprofit beneficiary and the other 50% go home with a lucky winning fan. 
So I manage a staff of 10 to 20 folks on game days on any given game day, plus volunteers that we brought in from any outside beneficiaries that we adopted for the night. And then we were really just a sales team that was focused on generating income to then give it back out into the community. Right, right. I love it, and I want to. I want to add a couple of uh, a couple of things. Obviously, since this is my uh, one of my areas of of specialty, um, Morgan just just really summarized it really well. But I want to give her some kudos here too, because, um, and 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 also back up what you said. You know, one of the things with sport management in particular, and w- with foundations and community funds, is that they want to make sure you're not just someone who's trying to get their foot in the door with a sport organization. They want to know that you're really committed to the community, right? And so um, Morgan's experience, like she said, with the Giants Community Fund was a huge boost for her, right? And so all of those other 34 students in that cohort at USF, and not to mention all the other ones that probably applied for that position, one of the things that they're very, very concerned about in community funds is is making sure that that's not the path. You're not just trying to stick your foot in the door. And um, and one of the things you see, unlike a lot of other areas of sport management, um, y- you see people in foundation work that stick around for long periods of time, right? And really are committed to these organizations. And that's just... I think that stems from the fact that you're doing good, right? Everybody wants to feel like they're doing good for uh, for the, their community. And so that's what I think is so amazing about this area of sport. And um, and yeah, the 50-50 raffles are a huge benefit, obviously, in raising money. So I love that as well. So if you have one thing that one takeaway from your time with the sharks. I, I know how meaningful um, those those nine months, almost, almost a year with with the sharks. I, I'm sure it was, I'm sure it was just amazing, right? But what what was one yeah. big key takeaway? Hmm. I would say it's tough to only have one because right. as folks that have worked in this area and in the industry will know a lot of the time it's all hands on deck in any facet of the organization. Right. Um, like I mentioned briefly, the foundation really is, it's a small but mighty group and we're fundraising all of the funding that goes back to our, all of our operating costs and to get back out to the community. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, especially from that experience, just being able to be adaptable and be open to new opportunities. I think that's something that's really lent itself to my career advancement over the past couple of years is being ready to jump in and be a team player wherever it might be. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I was running the 50-50 raffle program and also our marketing and um, kind of PR side of the foundation, but might have also been out at events supporting my supervisor and my other teammates, mm-hmm. um, helping actually with the activation of what we were doing in the community, um, mm-hmm. working with sponsors for the foundation, helping support like sponsor events. So being able to say yes to things, obviously with the caveat that you shouldn't overcommit yourself, but right, being course. able to say yes and try new things and be open to any experience that really helps support the team. Um, and know down the road that everything really does tie together. 
Right, right. So tell us about tell us about that balancing act, Morgan, um, on both sides, right? So from a, um, from the Sharks Foundation perspective, and obviously now the 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 49ers Foundation perspective, and USF, how do you how do you balance both of those? Is it that the coursework is all asynchronous? I don't think that's the case since you said you had that cohort of 34. How do you manage how do you manage that aspect? Because there's times in sport like you can't miss a game, right? You know, for the sharks if there's only three of you, right? Uh how does yeah. how does that how does that work? How do you balance that? Yeah, I mean, it takes being realistic with how well you can use your time and also having great support systems in place. Um, along with very open and honest communication. So yeah. I was fortunate the sharks. I don't know how it worked out for hockey season, but the only Wednesday game we had out of 44 home games was the Wednesday night before Thanksgiving, which I had off that week from class. <laughs> so it worked out where I never oh, had wow. to miss a game that and is it cool. never conflicted with class, um, which was great. But being open and honest with my supervisors about my class schedule coming into that role and knowing that that was something I had committed to. And gotcha. so far, I found that everyone's really understanding. Um, especially again, like I mentioned, there are a lot, a large community of USF sport management alumni that work in the community, um, that are able to help other folks that aren't as familiar with the program understand. So I I mentioned a little bit, but we have class on Wednesday evenings, which is usually a lighter day of the week as far as sport goes. So from 6 PM, I'm in San Francisco on Wednesday nights for class. And then it's a matter of being able to balance what my schoolwork looks like outside of that. Yeah, um, it gets tricky, especially when you think I'm about sure. group projects with five grad students, where someone might be yeah. twenty years into their career. I'm working professional football. I have friends that are in collegiate athletics that are maybe like helping with basketball. So figuring out schedules, it takes a little bit of trust in your cohort mates, but the understanding that you're all busy, but also committed to. Um, your role as a grad student as well. So right. communication is huge in helping balance every facet of those two things. I am sure. I am sure. I wanted to hear you. I wanted to hear. I, I know the listeners are probably like wondering like, oh, wow, how does it, how do they balance all of that? But uh, so that's <laughs> awesome. Thanks for giving us that perspective. So now, you know, we're here, we're, 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 um, we're in the middle of the national football league schedule, a very exciting time um, in uh, obviously in sport. And uh, so I, I want to talk about a little bit about First, that transition, right? I know it was probably hard for you to le- leave um, the Sharks Foundation when you have. Um, I heard you you, you said uh, a couple of times a small but mighty group. I'm sure you you had already um, formed a connection there, and and I'm sure it was hard to leave. Um, so, talk about that transition between the Sharks and the Niners. Yeah. So. Coming into my new role with the Niners, it wasn't something that I was in the job market applying for new jobs and felt like I was in a place where I was ready to leave the Sharks. Um, I think in sport, something, again, that folks need to be open to is taking the opportunity that you feel like is best for your career, even if the timing isn't great. Mm-hmm. Knowing that as me, for me, especially as someone that really feels like I thrive in the area of foundation related to sport and the nonprofit side. Mm-hmm. knowing that those opportunities don't come up very often because like you said folks tend to stay in those roles for a long time 
Yeah. And I knew when I was getting into the industry that being in the NFL was somewhere I really saw myself thriving. Um, growing up a football fan, I know I work for the Niners, but I am a born and bred Raiders fan. Um, oh. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you, don't, you don't tell many people that, do you? Oh, the office slowly knows, it, but you can see, well, <laughs> folks can't see since we're listening, but Dr. Greenwood can see my Niners sweatshirt right now as I tell oh. out myself as a Raiders fan. But there you go. Yeah, the opportunity came up and my old boss, who is the HR representative that helps kind of the entry level hiring for full time staff. Uh I was like, hey, Morgan, I know you really wanted to stay with the Niners at the end of your staffing coordinator position. And we didn't have anything full time at the moment. Something just opened up on the foundation side and wanted to see if you were interested. So it took a little bit of my previous connections from my time part time with the Niners before I started with the Sharks. And I said, what the heck, I'll apply. Um, I knew I was going into a pool of very qualified candidates um, and wasn't sure how it would shake out. But I said, you know, I'll regret not applying. So I might as well just see how it goes. Yeah. Um, and like a lot of things in sport, it all happens very fast. And I kept getting invited to the next round of interviews and was like, oh, we're still going with it. Um, and then I ended up being accept- or being offered the role, which was huge for me and something I didn't anticipate. But like you mentioned, it was really tough leaving the Sharks a lot earlier than I thought I was going to right. um, and leaving a really great team there, especially with I'd even booked my wedding around hockey season. And now, of course, <laughs> I'm getting married week one of the NFL season next year, which is another <laughs> hurdle to figure out next season. <laughs> of course, of course. Well, you got a long, you got a long time to, to figure that out. So I'm sure it'll, right. I'm sure it'll work out, but um. Wow, um, that is what a what a great story. So let's talk about your role with the with the 49ers Foundation. Um, you're serving as a coordinator for re- revenue programs. For, so first of all, tell us what that means. <laughs> yeah. So luckily, a lot of my new role with the 49ers is similar to what I did with the Sharks. I'm managing right. our 50-50 raffle position um, and team here at the 49ers, and then coupling that up with a lot of administrative support for the um, other members of our team, whether it's general admin support for our whole team and scheduling and logistics of planning meetings and all that good stuff, um, as well as for some of the senior staff in the foundation. So kind of balancing those two and really being able to get back into an operations mindset, as opposed to when I was doing marketing and a lot more copywriting, Mm -hmm. um, I found that I really enjoyed in that transitionary period, but the 50-50 raffle has been a pretty smooth transition. It's from lots of games that are maybe a smaller crowd of folks. So like a smaller jackpot to 10 really big high stakes games where everyone has to be great. Not that I didn't want every night to go amazing at the Sharks, but just feels higher stakes when there's so many less opportunities to fundraise and go out there with our team. Yeah. So Yeah, lots of different changes from having a smaller staff with the Sharks to now managing close to 40 people at the Niners. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, having many, much less games, but way longer game days, way bigger jackpots. It's been a little bit of a change um, just during that transitionary period, for sure. Right, right. I bet. I bet. So talk to us a little bit um, about your day to day, right? Like, um, obviously, um, you, you've touched on it a little bit by telling us what, what you do, but, um, 
on on a day to day basis. I know every day is different, but if you had to if you had to describe it for somebody like a, a non game day, right? I mean, a game day yeah. is obviously <laughs> like probably like fifteen hour, fifteen sixteen hours, but a uh, a non game day. What's a non game day like for you? Yeah, on a non-game day in the morning, it's trying to figure out, looking ahead to see what meetings I have on my horizon that day, when I'm going to be able to fit time in to actually get things done between meetings, um, and how all of that's going to sort out. So whether it's internal meetings with folks on our team or working closely with like our stadium operations team about some of the operational aspects of the programming I run, um, like the kiosks that we have set up on the concourse throughout games, making sure that folks are on the same page. Um, answering and responding to calls and texts from my staff. Like I said, I'm a group of 40 people is a lot to manage. It's a really great group. Um, a lot of them I've been able to recruit actually from the USF Sport Management Master's Program. So some folks in the newer cohort that just started with us. Wow. Um, but being able to actually do the people managing piece and answer their questions, um, support anything that my staff needs as we get ready for the game days. Um and then supporting other foundation-related events. So whether it's we've sold an auction package that includes being a player for a day and playing catch with Debo Samuel, like yeah. helping support our team there or right. helping with other fundraising initiatives. It's kind of a lot of everything. Like you said, every day looks different, but yeah. Yeah. Really figuring out where you can seat in time to work on things between meetings and then being a support system for the staff that I help manage and oversee. Right. So a lot of time management, a lot of project management, a lot of uh, a, a lot of uh, that sort of thing. So I'd like for you, if you don't mind, Morgan, we'll we'll end we'll end up here with you, um, if if you could, um, reflecting and and giving some advice for current students um, who might be thinking about a, a master's program. Like you, you've gone through. You're, you you haven't finished yet, but you're you you will soon, and yeah. and you've obviously already gone through that thought process. Um, what's the advantage in having a master's per a master's degree in sport? Do you do you feel like it's it's a um do do you feel like it's it's a necessary thing um or for that that almost everyone interested in sports should pursue, or what's the thought process there? Yeah, I think for me, knowing that I had a limited amount of sport experience on my resume and wasn't sure what I wanted my next steps to be, um, understanding from my time with the Junior Giants, how many people in the Giants front office had been part of the USF Sport Management Master's program was a big eye-opener for me and seeing, oh, there's 15 people that work in the Giants front office that are alumni of the program that have a master's degree in this field. Um, I think especially in the Bay Area, um, it's very competitive to get into sport. And a lot of times, especially in my grad school classes, people will say and give us advice um, that you need to be ready to like move and be able to be open to any opportunities um, that come up. But for me, I knew I wanted to be in the Bay Area. So figuring out how I could leverage um, the connections and experience I did have to find my way into sport here. So the networking opportunity and the group of alumni that come from that program, I think is really huge. Um, Obviously to be part of a sport organization, whether it's professional or collegiate sport, like people are all very good at what they do and very skilled, but having that in and being able to make connections and know people in the industry is another big part of at least getting your foot in the door and helping 
um, bridge those gaps between where you want to be and where you are in your career. I think the other thing too, is getting a deeper dive into other areas of sport that I haven't worked in. Um, I'm not sure what the future holds for me if I want to be in professional sport forever, or if I want to go back, um, to like the collegiate side. And obviously if you want to be in an academic environment, even if it's, um, athletics, having a master's degree is huge. So thinking about things like that and really just knowing that my degree, when I do have my master's will open up doors that I might not be able to open given mm-hmm. if I didn't have that master's degree, um, I think is huge. So seeing it as an investment in my future self and the networking opportunities that come from it has been really great. And as we've kind of discovered on my path through, it's been awesome and helping me create the opportunities for myself that I've been able to experience so far. Right. I love it. What a, what a fabulous reflection. And, and um, uh, I really appreciate you articulating that. I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. And coming from someone who's actually in a master's program, it it, uh, it means so much more to our current students, um, you know, than than some old gray beard like me telling them that they <laughs> need a master's degree. But, uh, but I, it, yeah. You know, it's so true. I mean, like when you when you look at um, and I tell people just what just what you said, you know, look at look at the front office or not the front. office. Look at the professionals working in sport, um, whether it be professional team, whether it be professional franchises or collegiate athletics. And the vast majority do have master's degrees. And so, yeah, you you are going to eventually need one to to move up in the world of sport. That's not the case all throughout the experience industry, right? I mean, like events, event management positions, most of those you don't need sport, you know, I mean, you don't need a master's degree, but in sport, if you're really headed down that path um, to make yourself competitive in a really, really competitive area, you, you really have to to, to have one. And um, so thanks so much, Morgan. I, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know you probably have a meeting here coming up soon, um, <laughs> uh, but uh, I just want to thank you so much for taking the time. Um, can we end with um, what advice do you have for someone who might be interested in in working in a sport foundation position, a community fund for a sport organization? What uh, what would you if you if you could go back and think about like building your professional development skills? What would you recommend? Yeah, for me, I would say um, look at how you can really create or look at the skills that you already have and figure out how you can apply those to where you want to be. So taking a job with a nonprofit that wasn't at all sport related in my head might not have been like an exact tie in to where I wanted to be. But um, nonprofit experience actually is huge for folks that work in the nonprofit side of sport, because then you know exactly the lens of the people we work with most often. So being able to open yourself up to opportunities that might not be immediately exactly where you want to be and thinking long-term and thinking about where you can be or where you can get your foot in the door now to propel you into where you want to be down the line in a couple years. So for me, that was being open to different opportunities and being able to take the leap and apply to grad school, knowing that it'll be tough right now, but it'll be worth it in the end has been huge for me. So recognizing that skills are transferable and you don't always have to be the immediate you don't have to always get right to where you want to be down the line right, right away in your career. 
Right. I love it. What fabulous advice. Thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Um, and, um, and just, uh, just so proud of you and so happy that, you know, after, um, after everything with 2020, like I said earlier, just love talking to you all. We, we felt so much for you and, um, just love seeing, seeing the success and, and happy that you're having it and wish you continued success moving forward. Thanks so much, Morgan. Thank you. It's been great to catch up. Absolutely. See ya. Bye.